everything else, the main obstacle is is yourself. You got to push yourself and move forward and move through the fears. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast, the show about buying, optimizing, and managing short-term rentals in the state of Michigan. Get insights and recommendations from vacation rental operators to help take your property to the next level. Are you ready to profit from your short-term rental? Let's get started. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast. My name's Tony Stancato. I won't be joined by my co-host, Jordan Painter, today. But I do sit down with Jason Snyder and Jamie Carble of Southeast Michigan. Really good guys. They have over 140 long-term rentals and 12-plus short-term rentals. And they've only been doing short-term rentals for less than a year. I met Jamie and Jason at the Short-Term Rental Wealth Conference back in June. We just stayed in touch since. And I think they're going to bring a lot of value today. They're guys that every business they do, they get the systems built out and then they go 100 miles an hour and just really blow it up. So you'll hear about that. And I do want to apologize in advance. I think it's my uh, internet connection, but my audio is not great in this episode. So I do apologize. Luckily, I only speak maybe 10% of the time and Jamie and Jason just drop gold nuggets the rest of the time. So I think you're going to still get a lot of value out of it out of it, but I'm going to make sure that's not an issue going forward. Let's hear from today's show sponsor. While doing tax planning at the end of 2022, my CPA emailed me and said my tax bill was going to be, quote, substantial. Nobody likes to hear that. So I called today's show sponsor, Daniel, at Cost Segregation Services. So we got the ball rolling on a cost segregation for my long-term rental in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This will reduce my taxable income by tens of thousands of dollars. We've done cost segregations on multiple short-term rentals over the last 18 months. Jordan got one done on his commercial office building as well. If you're facing a high tax bill on long or short-term rentals, or even commercial real estate, a cost segregation might be right for you. Short-term rentals offer unique advantages over long-term rentals as well that can allow you to offset active income if done correctly. Ask your CPA, and it's not too late to do it for 2022 tax year. Daniel will do a free proposal and evaluation with a projection of your tax savings. Call or text Daniel at 616-840-6916. Again, text or call Daniel at 616-840-6916. Tell him Tony and Jordan sent you. Jamie, Jason, welcome to the pod. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Tony. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate being here. Yeah, hey, would you guys want to start out by just kind of walking through what your current real estate portfolio looks like, whether it's long-term or short-term? Sure, I can do that. We've got about 140 long-term doors and it's a mix of mostly single family, but some small multifamily, couple commercial over five units, but mostly pretty small stuff. It's mostly based in Michigan. And then we, we veered off. Um, we kind of started that, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe five by now. Is it five? Probably about five years now. Five years now, time flies. And in the last year, we've been veering off the short-term rentals. And uh, I believe we have seven listings currently. And we've got two more on the way in 
one in Bay City and one in Frankenmuth. And then we also met sure uh, we're partnered with you guys on the South Haven one. So that, that one's not quite ours, but uh, we're looking forward to getting that up, up and running too. Yeah, I count that one. Wow. So uh, 150 plus doors, sounds like maybe close to 160 by now, maybe a little bit over that in five years. I mean, that's, that's no small feat. Any insight on how one might get started going down the path of getting 100 plus doors in such a short amount of time? Sure. You know, there's, there's definitely ways, things that we would have changed along the way. And I guess we'll, we'll start off with, with that, that no system's perfect when you're putting it together. We ended up jumping into the market right around 2017 with, about, with one property in the Flint, Michigan area. We had one rental prior to that, hadn't really made much of a business of rental properties until about that 2017 timeframe. At that point in time, we decided, we found a deal. We noticed that a town near us, Flint, Michigan, had a water crisis and prices really had plummeted. Government was coming in with some some assistance monies and we decided that that might be on the upswing after a long downturn. They were heavily reliant on GM, the auto company, over the last 50 years and that's dissipated significantly. So it is a relatively economically hit market. We decided that it was going to see an upswing. We bought our first rental property, I believe it was 2017 there for about 11 grand. And we um, didn't have to do much to it. I think we put about a thousand bucks into it. And it was already in pretty good shape, actually significantly improved above what the market was. Granite counters, nice condition hardwood floors and everything else. Smaller two-bedroom house. We put a tenant in there. It worked out well for the first year. And after that first year, we decided, hey, this is working. We really should explore more of it. So we waited a little longer than we probably needed to, but we were busy with another business at the time. And uh, we got that one going. Over that next year, when we decided to make it a business, we, uh, we scaled it relatively quickly. Our goal was originally was to get to 50 houses. And that was kind of built on the number to replace our current income. And we did after about after getting to fifty, we realized that that might be a little little light because expenses were a little higher than expected. So we got we realized we really needed to get closer to hundred to a kind of an income replacement um, number. If I had to give advice on how to get there, you definitely have to be nimble in that market. You have to buy really low. You have to manage your expenses really tightly, and it works. But it's definitely a job at that level. It's a heavily management-intensive class of assets, I guess. And uh, after getting to 100 and change, we kind of decided that we wanted to take that shift into a short-term rental, but our system was working. So we kept, we did keep buying long-term rentals as well. It took us a few years to kind of make that shift into, into a short-term rental market, mostly because we were having a hard time picking the market. So we can get into more of that as we talk. I'm sure you'll have some follow-up questions on it. but. Uh, that's kind of our story. And if somebody wants to get into it, just be willing to you know, put systems in place and make sure you're really pinching all your pennies, buying right, managing right. And uh, that's about what I got. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, I mean, it sounds like you guys just got started in the short-term rentals, what, I, maybe just over a year ago. And then you're already, call it 12 plus doors on the short-term rental side as well. Yeah, we're. Um, I believe we bought our first one February of last year, so we're probably 
just under a year all in. And um, we've done some heavy lifting renovation projects. We've bought some turnkey properties. We've bought some that are partially furnished. And uh, we, I think we had a little bit of confidence to jump into that a little heavier right off the bat because we had some experience managing the long-term properties. Definitely more goes into the short-term rental as a whole to get it up and running, management, process, tech stack, all that to do it right. And just the amount of cash that's needed to actually get it up and running is just, you know, that's the mind-blowing piece. Just a little more, especially when you're furnishing it. And then you want to make sure you have those kind of nice finishes and all that stuff. So it's definitely, in my opinion, a harder one to scale. But I mean, you guys are definitely doing it very quickly. So that's awesome. So can you give us a rundown of where, sounds like you're in different markets. Can you give us a rundown of kind of where all your short-term rentals are? Sure. Um, we started off buying in Michigan City, Indiana, which is about three and a half hours from us. We bought three there, actually four. We bought four there. And we did that because we were looking for an area that we thought was a good vacation market. It's Lake Michigan right there. My family and I have uh, vacationed in New Buffalo. Just a great area. So we decided to look into that. The regulations were a little different in New Buffalo, Michigan than Michigan City, Indiana. So it was a little bit more favorable for short-term rentals. So we got our start there, knew a couple people, found some contractors, cleaning people, and and just went in with both feet. And uh, it's really been great there. And then we kind of by accident got started in Bay City. We were bought one that we had planned on doing a long-term rental for and pulled some permits. We're going to do a triplex. It was kind of bought a shell of a place and they gave us the go-ahead and then ran into some complications with uh, zoning where, you know, after we got started, they're like, oh, this is only zoned for single family, even after they'd given us permits to start the work. And uh, we begged them like, well, you know, you gave us gave us the go-ahead can we just keep going and and they're like well you know it won't be a problem you just gotta get in front of the zoning board and and we're sure we'll get get you approval oh okay great when's the meeting oh it'll be in three months oh Jesus. well uh well can we just continue working for those three months no you know we're you're gonna have to stop so we're like all right that's it let's let's go back to the drawing board and we we're like let's just make a nice big single family, short-term rental Airbnb and, and give it a shot here. And um, we did. And it, it's been amazing. We, we've now got two more there. We never thought that Bay City was going to be as great as it is. Like we, we didn't expect it. it's not as much of a vacation market as, as some of the other places, but we're killing it there. It's actually doing better than some of our Michigan City ones right now. and. Uh, I'm so happy that we ran into those problems and, and just got to to switch and, and move gears and turned out really good. Yeah, that's awesome. And then to expand on that, we um the first one, like Jamie both said, we bought as a shell and it was, you know, meant to go into that long term portfolio. And uh since then we ended up buying one turning one of our other properties that was bought as a long term rental into a short term rental which I think is a, if you're in a market that you can do that, it's definitely a good way to, 
try it out without having to buy a new property altogether. You know, the furnishing, we, we definitely, the, the one that's a, that we bought as a long-term that we're shifting into a short-term right now, definitely took a lot more work though. You have to make it, you have to make it nice. So I think that's one of the things that we're hearing more and more about is over the last few years, a lot of people have just bought anything and listed it and we're getting bookings. And I think those same people are seeing a, a slowdown at this period of time and having those nicer properties in an area is really going to make the difference in the near term. Yeah. Um, and, short and then you guys noticed that some people were coming to your Bay City property to visit Frankenmuth, right? And then you guys got another one in, in Frankenmuth. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. We, Frankenmuth's about a half hour from Bay City. And, you know, we, we talked to people like, why are you booking here? You know, like what, you know, what are you coming for? And, you know, discuss with them. And a lot of them were saying that they're coming in town to go to Frankenmuth. And we were like, whoa, Frankenmuth? Like, you know, I can't believe we're getting bookings all the way in Bay City for people going to Frankenmuth. But we really figured that that there must be like really difficult restrictions to get Airbnbs in Frankenmuth. So Jason kind of looked into it and called the department there. I'll let you go into it. and. How we plan on Frankenmuth? Yeah, so I talked to a lady at the zoning department. And she was really helpful, but there was definitely some restrictions when it came to A1 versus A2 zoning. Frankenmuth is definitely, if you're not familiar with what Frankenmuth is, it's a Bavarian-themed city that has uh, one of the big draws is Bronner's, which is a Chris, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Christmas store in the country, and you get people that travel there all year long to visit this Christmas store. And the rest of the city is very themed into a Bavarian German theme and has lots of festivals and just, you know, made kind of draws for, for people, tourists to come there. It's located, you know, kind of in that, that thumb part of Michigan. So there's not a lot of, there's not a beach draw. There's not going to be a mountain draw, skiing, any of those things. It's just a very themed city that gets a push. So we, we always thought about it as kind of an area that we wanted to touch on and uh, hadn't really find too, found too many opportunities. So we had some search criteria set up in the, in the MLS because not only had we had that city in mind, but now we were getting back up, quanti- you know, I guess quantifying the fact that it would work because people were staying a half hour away. So we found a property that met the zoning restrictions that was just outside most of the main city does have some restrictions that it's in the A1 zoning. They're not usually allowing new short-term rentals. So whenever that happens, you find an area that has those restrictions. If you can find something right on the cusp of it, I think it's a good system or a good theory to to go with because usually there's demand in that area and then they're going to have a lack of supply, which I think is a lot of the things that people are running up on right now in some of these major vacation markets and mountain markets that they, um, they've seen such an increase in supplies, they are seeing a decrease in bookings right now. We haven't experienced that in some of these small, drivable vacation markets Yeah. Would you mind sharing, I think we were just talking about December, you launched a property in December, you mentioned some specific numbers, which were just kind of mind-blowing. Is that something that you would mind sharing launched halfway through December and the the revenue that you made on that property uh, on just a half a month, essentially. And was that pranking this? 
This was the Bay City one. Frankenmuth's not operational just yet. We are furnishing it this week, and we'll have a we'll have a full listing next week. We've done a couple intro preliminary videos on it, but we're not quite we're not quite listed in Frankenmuth yet. The Bay City one that you're talking about, we launched and we had initial success. It's not a high price listing. We're not doing a ton of revenue, but over the last few months that we've been operational. I think we've averaged six thousand dollars a month in gross revenue. December was def just November and December were definitely up peaks. I think they were in the sixty-five to seventy-five hundred dollar range. And I think what was it December? We had two open days. We booked every day, but two days. Yeah, I think Tony was asking about Blue on Fifth, which is the one we launched mid-December, and that one we we actually purchased it. It didn't need work at all. It was in really good condition. So we furnished it. Like We purchased it in early December. Two days later, we had everything ordered and, and we're furnishing it. We listed it December 15th. And for half the month, we only had half of December and we, and we did three grand in December. So we purchased it and, and got three grand in we were kind of going back and forth, like, well, should we paint the whole thing? Should we make a little, you know? And we just decided it's a, it's good enough, and and we listed it, and it was a great decision. Which is incredible. I mean, I think was it a hundred eighty thousand dollar price point ish that one? No, it was less. We bought it for one hundred and forty two, but probably it was about twenty five grand in furniture, and and then you know like touch ups and stuff like that. So it might have been. Maybe close to, I'd say, one seventy-five total, all in. Yeah, that's incredible. Just, I mean, it seems like it'd be kind of off season, and you have no reviews, right, for that particular house, and to be able to just come out of the gate and you know get three thousand plus just in half a month is is pretty incredible. Now, let's say you could only continue buying short-term rentals in one of those three markets: Michigan City, Bay City, or Frankenmuth. Which one are you doubling down on if you could only go into one of those markets? I suspect that Frankenmuth will be the best, but that it's also going to be the hardest because, you know, it's really harder to find. Like, we could do tons of lease in Michigan City, tons of them in Bay City. Yeah, we could find find properties all day that'll work, but Frankenmuth, I think, will, will be harder to find the right property to work. Like, that's in the right zoning that's just outside of the town there. Do you agree, Jason? Yeah. If we had to answer your question directly, I do agree with what Jamie said. If we had to answer your question directly, we would probably, if we had to choose one and only one, we'd probably choose Michigan City because I believe that it's a larger mar- larger vacation market than the other two. Even though it's not a real large market, you're dealing with a draw that's on Lake Michigan, 45 minutes from Chicago. So it's a bigger market to compete in. It would allow us to scale the way we want to scale. We do plan on scaling. We'll probably buy more in all three markets. If we had to pick one, it would be Michigan City because it would allow us to scale the fastest. Gotcha. Now, is there a must-have amenity for your properties? Is there something that you say, hey, this is going into all of our properties? whether that's a hot tub or is it a little different based on the type of market that it's in? Yeah, I'd say we're playing with that. We 
started off with hot tubs and, and they are expensive and a lot of work, but we are noticing like in Michigan City, two of our properties have hot tubs. Those two are doing better right now in the winter. So I would say that we probably are going to make sure the other ones have hot tubs too. Bay City, I, I'm not so sure. We do have one that has a hot tub. We're discussing putting them in on the other two, but I don't know that it, I don't know that we have the same competition. So I'm not sure on that. Any other, Jason, what do you think? Amenity wise, we are, yeah, I'd say hot tub would be number one. We're kind of holding back on a couple of our new listings and we want to see how they perform in comparison to the ones that do have hot tubs so that we have some hard numbers. We do figure you take a hot tub and you, you break it down of what all the maintenance and everything goes into it as well as the purchase cost. Usually we, we kind of took a five-year time horizon on the amortization of a hot tub, even though hopefully it should last longer. It came out to just shy of $1,000 a month that you really want to make in revenue. I think we came out to 500 a month maybe as the cost, and we like to see an amenity double its costs in revenue for the year. So we're looking at making sure that the hot tub does add $1,000 at least in gross revenue compared to a property that doesn't. So we're playing with those numbers, but right now, if I had to pick one, hot tub would be it. Mike, how about technology-wise? What is kind of the one technology in your tech stack that you'd highly recommend or is kind of a must-have? Yeah, I think I would go with Price Labs. In the beginning, when we first had our first listing, we, we definitely manual, we manually adjusted pricing. You just can't physically do that as accurate as Price Labs does. So that's been, a, that's been a huge help. Not to mention when you go with multiple properties, definitely becomes more of a difficult time. You're going to miss certain compression events. You're going to, you're not going to necessarily be able to adequately, consistently monitor the, the supply demand curve, I think, accurately on a lot of properties overall for many years or you know, for, for a period of time. So Price Labs has been a huge thing when it comes to helping with our pricing. We've definitely been surprised that some of the days that have elevated pricing, you know, just because it, it what it does is it takes the, the whole market and it's, it monitors how many bookings there are, what the other competitors are priced at. You set some parameters, but then it's going to automatically do it for you. You can change things when it comes to minimum days book. You can adjust your your highs and lows a little bit to give it a little bit a little bit more of a boost if you need it. So there is some work involved in it, but it definitely takes a lot of blood off your plate. I think it maximizes your revenue by quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a double edged sword though too, right? I mean, do you guys find yourself having to go in and adjust the prices a little bit? There are times where we'll get like we got sixteen fifty on one of our properties per night and we would have never been able to set it that high. But there's also times where like it's trying to set our two bed, one bath at $950 for the weekend. And it's just like, there is no way. And maybe we just got to get better at letting it ride, but we're just like, there's no way we're going to get 950 for a two bed, one bath. So are you guys having to, do you guys see them being a little aggressive too and having to rein those in a little bit or not necessarily? Yeah, you set the parameters and, and you can change it, you know, adjust it depending on seasonally. Um, we've adjusted things up and down, but yeah, we've kind of rode with it. 
I don't think we adjust it too often. I'd say we adjust more in the near term if we have, end up having open days. Yeah. If we have more open days, it gives you some parameters of what to expect on what percentage you should be booked 30, 60, 90 days out, I believe. So it might be in those parameters, that those time frames might be a little further out. And uh, so we watch that a little bit. Usually we're, we're concerning ourselves more with what's open in the next 30 days. And if so, we're adjusting our price points there. We've been surprised, just like yourself, we've been surprised on some of the stuff that's booked right now. If we just took bookings in the last 30 days for July, and we've been surprised at some of the some of the prices we've gotten. Pleasantly surprised. So yeah, absolutely. I probably wouldn't have priced it that high, but Price Labs did. We let it ride, and we ended up getting partial booking, and we'll save some as the last man standing theory. But we want we definitely like coming in with a partially full calendar. Yeah, and then we met at the Short Term Rental Wealth Conference back in I think it was June. Is there any like key takeaways that you guys had from that? Or is there anything that you guys came back and said, hey, we're, we're going to implement this right away? So yeah, any tips that, that came out of that? Yeah, so we were really new going into the short-term uh, rental wealth conference with Bill Faith. And that's when we did get Price Labs. We also signed up for OwnerRes, which is a management system, kind of integrate all, all the Airbnb, Verbo. Um, it has a, a website. So we have had some direct bookings. Definitely, you know, just like with anything, we'd listen to podcasts and we had, we had heard it before, most of it. But being there and being around other people like yourself and, and learning from others and, and listening to their story, it definitely helped. So I, I don't think there was anything new that I took out of that. but it reinforced what we've been trying to listen to and read and, and learn previously. Yeah. What kind of tips would you guys have for somebody looking to get into the vacation rental industry? Someone brand new, they come to you and say, Hey, what's kind of some, some key pieces of advice that you would offer up to them? Yeah. Let me start to take that. I, I would say like everything else, the the main obstacle is is yourself. You got to push yourself and move forward and move through the fears and just pick something and go with it. And uh, I don't think you can pick a bad market as long as you're allowed to do it there and you you check with the city and and you can do it. Like I would research it and then give it a shot. And then you know you really have to you know get professional photography, make it look attractive to people. But I'm just surprised by the reasons that people book them. You know, like in Michigan City, Bay City, all the time we're getting bookings for construction people, like, you know, Monday through Friday, that they're there doing an electrical project or uh, whatever, and, and they book it for their staff. And we've had a ton of those. And that wouldn't have been our avatar as construction workers staying in our house, but that it really takes up during the winter um, time. It, it really gives you a boost. You know, people book it for on the weekends for like getaways, but Monday through Friday, like we've had a lot of work crews and it, it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last 
last and final question. What has been the wildest guest story that you've had? This last New Year's Eve, we we kind of had uh, some issues where we let some younger people rent uh, one of our houses, and they definitely made a mess and, and smoked weed throughout our unit, and that that was definitely a problem. They didn't really damage anything. We we haven't had any any damages. I don't think I think we're yet to ever charge a guest for any damages. But that one we had. What's the machine that we had bought earlier? Jason, like, do you remember? Ozone machine or something? Yeah, was, yeah. Ozone machine. Ozone machine. Yeah. So we have one of those. It kind of does the trick after hopefully one or two applications. So you know, I think. We consider ourselves lucky. We haven't been in the game too long, you know, just under a year like we talked about. We haven't had any super exciting stories on the downside to tell, I don't think, yet. We've been relatively lucky. There'll be more to come. When it comes to those kind of stories, on our long-term rentals, we've had quite a few destroyed homes. So we it's hard to shock us at this point in time. We, You know, once yeah. in a while we have our computers come back to us for the short-term rentals send us some pictures and say, oh, I can't believe these tenants made a mess. And um, yeah, We're kind of laughing. Like they'll take pictures of like two coffee cups in the sink or something that they didn't wash. And, yeah. and we're like, oh my God, you know, like if you saw what some of the long-term rental tenants did to our house, that's one of the nice things that we've really like, it's a breath of fresh air dealing with the short-term rentals. Like very rarely do we have any problems. People leave it so clean and spotless. Like compared to some of the destruction and, and damages we see from uh, long-term rentals, like the short-term rental, like I read and, you know, like all these articles about people worried about the short-term rentals and, and I just, God, I don't see it at all. Everybody who, every guest that rents our house, you know, almost everyone is like so respectful and nice and enjoyable and, you know, it's families having, getting together and having fun or, you know, even if it is like a, you know, a group of girls going out for a weekend, like they leave it so nice. Like it's been so enjoyable compared to the long-term miles. So yeah, I have one good that. story about kind of how we got, how I got started. So back, this was prior to COVID, kind of our first taste of short-term rentals is I decided to rent my house out as a short-term rental, my, my personal residence. And um, so this would be one thing as I guess an advice to guests would be to check the, the regulations and if you're in an HOA, definitely expect some pushback. I mean, not my house worked out really great. We went into the summer months and decided, hey, let's rent the house out. I got a walkout basement, its own entrance on a lake here. Put the house up in March, and I rent and I rented out my walkout basement with a separate entry. And I was surprised because I put it up there thinking, oh, I'll get some bookings maybe in the summer, a couple weekends here and there. We won't book it all the time. It's just a little bit more supplemental income. And it started booking right away in March. And this is people coming to stay in my house. I live in Michigan, kind of metro Detroit area, but one of the outer suburbs. And we don't really have a, we don't have a draw in this area for bookings, but we got, I got lots of people even in March that came to stay in my basement. We worked out really well as summer months opened up, we opened up the whole house and figured we would go on vacation for, I priced it relatively high. This was in the back in, I think late 18, early 19. And um, ended up booking the house for four weekend, four weeks out of the year. We took our family vacations during that period of time. 
eventually we ended up shutting it down because it became a whole uh, it became a whole thing with the neighborhood and the HOA, and um, oh. got got relatively sticky. And you had a lot of people that were very scared about a short term rental. So if you're in an HOA, I would definitely uh, I would stay away from it. I wouldn't I wouldn't venture that way. It worked out well for me, but not in the long run. We ended up shutting it down. Yeah, thanks for reinforcing that because I mean that's one of the key factors that we're looking for when we are looking at short-term rentals. Hey, does it have an HOA? And almost 100% of the time, that's kind of the deal breaker. Like it would have to be a very good deal, very low risk with some some different outs to actually purchase the property that's in an HOA for us. And we even built out that property grading tool and like the most weighted factor on that is going to be the HOA. So that just reinforces that. Well, thanks for joining us. If any of the listeners want to connect with either one of you, where's the, the best place? And then don't you guys host a meetup in Southeast Michigan? If you want to maybe plug that and let them know when it, it occurs every month and, and where at. For sure. We're both on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. You can always, if anyone wants to talk short-term rentals, always happy to receive a phone call as well. Uh, my number is 248, it's Jason, 248-396-4537. And uh, otherwise, hit me up on Facebook or go ahead and email me at bpojason at gmail.com. And our meetup is the second Tuesday of every month, and it's located in Commerce, Michigan. Love to have anybody that wants to come out and talk real estate. We typically are focusing on short-term rentals. It will be tonight, but if by the time this podcast airs, if you can catch us on the second Tuesday of February. We'd love to have you. Yeah. I'm also on LinkedIn, Jamie Carbell, J-A-M-I-E-K-A-R-B-E-L. Yeah. would love to see you guys if you're local um, commerce hub and grill where you're buying some properties. We're doing it second Tuesday of every month and I uh, would love to meet some of you. Thanks so much. Thanks for checking out today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, please go over to your podcast player of choice. Leave us a review. We appreciate those that have already taken the time to do so. It just helps us get discovered by more people in that platform. And if you're not on the email list yet, go over to michigan-shorttermrentals.com. Get on the email list. You're going to see it right there on the homepage. And you're going to get four very valuable emails. One's going to be a list of 650 zip codes where we've already analyzed a address and have projected revenue for that address. So you can kind of filter those and see which one is has the best projections out of those 650 zip codes. And then you're going to get a furnishing calculator. So you'll get a number for how much does it cost to furnish a four bed, two bath with a hot tub and a ping pong table. And you can use that to really project out your return on investment there. And then also a property grading tool. So you're going to be able to plug in some information like yard size, number of neighbors, amenities, the cost of the property and the projected revenue. And it's going to kick you out a letter grade. So our properties are letter grade B. So if it's B or an A, it could be a good good property to pick up. If it's less than that, you might really want to think about, is it going to be a good property? And make sure you connect with Jordan Painter and Tony Stancato on LinkedIn. Send us a connection request there and we'll make sure we accept it. And we'll talk to you later.